for the past 26 or maybe 27 years, I've lost count, we have been traveling to Iowa, to Iowa City, home of the University of Iowa, go Hawks, for Christmas. We've been doing this every year. This is our family rhythm, Thanksgiving with my side of the family, Christmas with Anne's side of the family. We've been doing that for over a quarter of a century until the last few years when COVID, you know, derailed things as it did for all of us in various ways. Anne's father has been extremely COVID conscious and COVID concerned. He would put on a face mask and a shield to go to the mailbox at the end of the driveway to get the mail. Right? He didn't let anybody in the house for a year. He rarely left the house. And so it was a really big deal that, you know, he was finally ready to have all 14 of us and her siblings and all the kids and grandkids and cousins come and be in the house again. And we, we had our kids basically on lockdown a few days before we were to leave on Christmas evening, which they did not appreciate at all. But we really wanted to make sure we would all test negative by the time we got on the plane so we could get there. And we did. We all made it. All 14 of us were there. And we had a wonderful time doing, doing all the things that we've done for this many years of sledding and skating and singing Christmas carols together, getting pizza at that favorite pizza restaurant, opening gifts and the kids going to the mall to spend their Christmas money or their Christmas gift cards. And of course, going to a University of Iowa Big Ten basketball game. There's a picture of us at the game just a week or two ago. Either to see the men play or the women. This time it was the women. We saw the women teach Purdue a few things about the game. I don't know if you grew up in a college or university town. I, I did not, but through being part of the Colleton family, I've come to appreciate just how special that is. Because having a college or a university in town kind of unifies the community. You know, it's, it's a way of bringing everyone together. You can't go anywhere in Iowa City without finding someone or several someones with you know, a Hawkeye shirt or hat or jacket, you know, regardless of whatever else might divide us as people, in Iowa City, you can count on most everyone to some degree being a Hawkeye. Now, granted, it's not the deepest form of human connection that we might find on Earth, but these days, you know, maybe that's something we should be um, celebrating. It's not unlike baptism. Baptism gives us a special identity as Jesus followers based on his baptism, which is intended to cut across and supersede all other identities we might claim for ourselves, as important as those other identities might be. Baptism, our, our claiming God's name for us as beloved, is intended to be the most important and the deepest identity that we could claim. It doesn't always work out that way, of course. There's always been Christians in the church who would like to make some other aspect of one's identity or a group's identity more important than our baptism identity or identity as God's beloved. You might know that baptism, for example, created a real quandary for slaveholders in our country uh, during times of slavery. Because if slaveholders 
allowed enslaved people to be baptized, which they encouraged, they also realized that gave them an equal status before God. And this created something of an issue. And so many southern states, I'm not sure if Georgia was one of them, created ordinances which said, well, sure, baptism creates a level of equality in heaven, but that's very different than what we have here on earth. Which I guess means, you know, when they were praying the Lord's Prayer, they just crossed their fingers when they got to that part about on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know how they reconciled that for themselves, but baptism creates a radical, or it's intended to create a radical level of equality and shared identity. For many folks, it's therefore a kind of theological riddle that Jesus was baptized at all. It wasn't Jesus without sin, you know, if baptism is about being forgiven, why was he without sin? And why would he need to be uh, baptized to repent in order to prepare for the coming of himself? Like, I, how does all that work? John actually has the same question. He says, this is all backwards. I, you, I, I should be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. This is how it should be. Well, part of our confusion, I think, perhaps, has to do with our ideas about three things, about sin, about repentance, and about salvation. And I like to review this every now and then, so forgive me if you've heard this before, but I think it's so important because these words have been misinterpreted and misused for harm. Sin is actually a military term, at least in the Greek word, meaning that an archer had fired the arrow and had missed the target. It wasn't so much a statement about one's moral depravity or unworthiness, it simply meant that you missed the target. The target being uh, living in God's way, living out God's will, and well, we aimed, we fired, but we missed. And maybe there's some acknowledgement there to do, maybe we have to get back on target, but again, not so much a moral indictment as that some of us have been living sort of out of sync or out of alignment with God's identity, God's true identity of beloved. Repent is another military term. The Greek word is metanoia, which simply means turn around, about face. If we could time travel back to the time of Jesus, something I fantasize about every now and then, and saw some soldiers training on a field, marching in formation, we might hear the commanding officer at some point saying, metanoia, repent. And all the soldiers would turn around and about face and go back in the other direction. Metanoia, repent. Turn around, go back the way you started, get back on track. That's what repentance is. It's an about face on whatever thoughts or whatever behaviors are leading us away from our identity as God's beloved and to get back on track. And that's true for all of us. All of us have things in our lives. You might know something right now in your life that a thought or a behavior or something that takes you out of alignment with your core identity as God's beloved. I don't know what that is. Only you know what that might be. For me, it usually starts up here. It usually starts in negative thoughts about myself or judgments about others that I might make. And then, to, to add insult to injury, literally, 
I tend to, you know, there's something I said that I wish I could take back, or something I did that I wish I couldn't do, wouldn't have done, and I think, well, gee, Matt, that was stupid. Why would why did you do that? And right away, I have an opportunity for some metanoia <laughs> to get back on track. Sure, I make mistakes, but is there any need for me to uh, insult myself on top of that? Probably not. Salvation isn't a word we use very much here at Virginia Highland Church, again, because it's been weaponized to sort of frame who is accepted by God and who isn't. But salvation isn't about other people claiming us or rejecting us. It's about claiming God's name and identity for us as God's beloved. For example, you might be a huge Georgia Bulldogs football fan. Go dogs! right? Tomorrow's a big day. That might be a really important... I see some head shaking happening already. My goodness. Anyway, let's just assume we're all Bulldogs fans today. And somebody comes to you and says, oh, you can't be a... You're not a real Bulldogs fan. You didn't go to a single game this past season. In fact, you spent more time watching professional basketball than watching the dogs. Oh, and by the way, you also enjoy going to the ballet and to the symphony. You can't be a football fan and also enjoy going to the ballet. And you'd probably be thinking, where do you get the authority to tell me about this, about my identity and what's most important to me? Just because you don't understand those other aspects of who I am doesn't cancel out the fact that I am actually a true Bulldogs fan. Similarly, as soon as Jesus is baptized and he hears this word, he hears this name for himself as beloved, he is immediately driven into the wilderness and tested by the devil. Now, regardless of whether or not you believe the devil is an actual character, just go with the story. He immediately tries to get Jesus to disclaim his identity as beloved. Over and over, the devil says to Jesus, if you are really the Son of God, if you are God's beloved, do this, if you are God's Son, if you, if, 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 trying to throw Jesus off track from that identity he has only just received. The, God, the devil, if anything, is iffy, always trying to get us to doubt who we are most deeply. It's worth remembering that Jesus' baptism was not a trophy. It was an invitation. His baptism didn't change him into something new. It reminded him who he already is as God's beloved, which he did not do anything to deserve or earn or credit. As we enter this really important and historic year in the life of our church, as Jeff said, we need to remember the thousands of people that came to hear God speaking to them as beloved right in this room, the hundreds or thousands of people who were baptized. We used to be Georgia, Virginia Avenue Baptist Church. Baptist because we were a Baptist church and baptism was held at a really high value. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people were baptized in the baptismal, which is just below the window there. There's an actual tub and a faucet. Some of you sitting in the back might be able to see the faucet where the water comes. It's a direct feed from the Jordan River, that faucet just goes right at the top. <laughs> Hundreds or thousands of people heard God speaking to them as beloved and were baptized in this space. 
Now, we also need to acknowledge that there were some other things that have come up in the Southern Baptist Convention which caused them to feel like, well, actually, if you have this or that about your identity, maybe your, your baptism or your salvation is in question. Yes, we need to be aware of that and interrogate that. There's been overt racism, sexism, homophobia in the Southern Baptist Church and way and cause our church to have to part ways with them over those very issues. Because we believe that our baptismal identity, receiving God's call on us as beloved, cannot be superseded by anything or anyone for any reason. I'm struck that the word beloved is actually the word be loved, put together. Have you ever noticed that? Beloved means beloved, which is different than be loving or be love. Be loving, well sure, I can always be more loving. Be love, well that's a tall order because I'm complicated. I can be love sometimes, but only part-time. But to be loved, that is really different. To be loved, we don't have to do anything except to accept that we are loved. I can be loved full-time. I can be loving and be loved part-time. But to be loved is simply to acknowledge that I am loved 100% of the time, all the time, every day, for all time, for all eternity. And then by living into that identity that I am be loved, that inspires me to be more loving. It inspires me to be loved for somebody else so that they might also hear God speaking that same name to them. Again and again in my ministry here, five years, which isn't that long compared to a hundred, I've encountered dozens and dozens of people who have heard God speaking beloved to them when they have heard perhaps at other points in their life that God had rejected them, that God had canceled out their baptism, that the grace that they were given and received actually know there were some qualifiers and some fine print to realize that all of that was some hateful BS and heard again in this space God's essential call to us to be loved and to be the beloved and to live the love that we have received. But not only that, but then to take that experience and find ways to serve to hear God speaking and then say, okay, here I am, what can I do? How can I take this church forward so that other people can have the same experience and hear the same voice and to be loved by God as I have been loved? That's not only news, that is not only good news, that is great news, that is the best news we can offer to this world that so desperately needs it.